What's going on, ladies and gents? Delavor here for T3G. Welcome to the Tangents Podcast. I know it's it's been a little bit rocky. We're not 100% every week, especially with the comic show. But we're trying to get that to be 100%. We're going through some renovations. Check out the YouTube channel, T3G Media, for updates on what's going on as far as the renovations in this space. Hopefully, should be a little more streamlined and organized coming up pretty soon. I want to welcome everyone to Bear Tiger, especially welcome to the broadcast. I want to welcome everyone to this week's episode of Panels on Pages. We're going to be talking about Alan Moore, uh, Devious, welcome to the podcast, broadcast, whatever we're doing today. I'm doing a lot of crazy stuff today. <laughs> um, we are talking Alan Moore, uh, we are talking Alibaba and the 40 Thieves Reloaded, which is a book that I found at a Half Price Books, which is like a used bookstore that has uh, that has offered a lot of really cool experiences because I picked up stuff that I didn't ever think I would normally uh, pick up. So that's what we're talking about today. Those watching and listening in the future, make sure you join us on caffeine.tv slash T3G Media every single week so you can join the conversation and be part of the show. So let's kick things off with Alan Moore. Now this is a book, this is, this is the book right here, Alan Moore's Wild Worlds. I think actually I also picked this up at Half Price Books. Tons of different stories. There are there is the entire run of Spawn Wildcats, which we will be talking about. There's this single issue of Majestic, uh, and then there is the run of Voodoo that he did, and the run of Death Blow, which is also something we'll be talking about. I'm gonna skip Voodoo and the Wildcats issue that's in here, just because those are kind of more more obvious and kind of not honestly they're the weaker of the stories. I wanted to talk about the cooler stories in the books themselves. Majestic Majestic was, before Wildstorm was owned by DC, Majestic was the Superman of Wildstorm. He was the Unster Welcome to the Broadcast. Uh, Majestic was the, the, the penultimate, like the top of the top, could kick all the butts. <laughs> and prior to uh, Devious, if you didn't hear me, hear me earlier, welcome. Uh, and welcome, uh, Anonymous viewer. Welcome all. <laughs> and the cool thing about Majestic is that he knows that he's the best. So, like, the, the coolest stuff to read was always where he kind of is like, yeah, I kind of run the show. You're going to do what I tell you to do because otherwise I can kill you. And he will because he is, uh, I think they called him a a warlord of Kira. Kira is the planet that he's from, him and the rest of the Wildcats. Well, genetically, <laughs> ancestrally, that's what they're—that's where most of them are from. But that's the planet they're from. They're a warlike culture. Uh, they're at war with the Daemonites. But the thing that this story, and the reason I want to talk about this story here specifically, is because this story takes place at the end of everything, at the end of the universe. Because of his imperviousness, immortality, he is one of the last creatures in existence. So it's a really, really interesting look at kind of like what Superman would be like at the end of the universe. Because you kind of, you don't really think about it, but Superman's going to outlive everybody. And that's that's where we're at with this story. This is the last, uh, he's actually watching the last cybernetic organism die. And that's kind of like, you know, like there's always, everyone always talks about, oh, Superman's going to watch his loved ones die. But the real thing is that Superman's going to want watch everyone die and everything die and every form of life die. 
Uh, this was, I think, this would have been 1990. Oh, where's the date? The date should be. Where's the year? Actually, I have the book right here. I don't know why I'm looking. Uh, this was originally published in uh, Wildstorm Spotlight, 1997. So it actually would be the year before DC bought it. So this was pre-DC, uh, which is good because I, I feel a lot of the, the trouble that the Wildstorm universe went through actually started when DC bought the company. Uh, although uh, they have allowed Warren Ellis to take a crack at the Wildstorm universe once again. And uh, in the modern day, he is uh, bringing it back, bringing it back to a much better day. Um, so this story follows Majestic and his last, his like final group of people who are alive. Uh, the, the Enlightened Jew, uh, which that was a weird thing. I don't know if that's like a, it's like the, what is it? No, no, the Wandering Jew. Manny Weiss, known as the Wandering Jew. I don't, honestly, I don't know if that's a character from within the Wildstorm universe, because I'd never seen him before. Um, and I don't know if that's, like, part of Jewish culture or Jewish myth. I don't know. I don't know enough about the, about either, I guess, to identify the character. But I just thought it was a really interesting, like, a really interesting thing to add on. Like, yeah, there's all the, like, there's a vampire queen, and there's, like, the literal lords... Uh, the abstract spirit of, of arithmetic itself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That definitely... We'll have to do some research into that. Uh, but it was just like a weird, kind of almost plain character to, to, to have included. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they're just kind of dealing with their existence. Uh, you have the vampire queen who Majestic is feeding off his own flesh because he's immortal and she needs to eat. Um, they're all just kind of going through it, and uh, the few of them here at the beginning decide, we're not going to go, we're going to die. It's over. Like, well, there's nowhere to go, we're just going to stay here, and that's going to be it. So he takes, uh, he takes Manny, he takes the, the Vampire Queen, and they kind of just go out to see what's left. And they have a dope ship. I really love the design of the ship. And see, you see right here, he's, he's feeding the Queen, and it's... It's almost like this, this, this personal, like not romantic, but like I don't know. It, it's very, it's a very strange moment because they're they're literally just biding time until everything dies, and he's she's feeding a vampire so she stays alive so she can see one more minute of nothingness because they know like they, it's not like a surprise. They know that everything's dying, so it's just a really weird. It's a really, really weird approach to how, how he does this, but it's it's Alan Moore, and that's that's why I really like this. Um, so towards the end here, they all die. Every the, the Manny dies and the vampire queen dies, and the, these tendrils show up, and he's like, finally something to fight, like some a purpose. And it turns out it's freaking it's freaking Hadrian. It's 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 Spartan. From the Wildcats, he being an artificial life form has outlived everything. He he then essentially kills. They they meet in cyberspace, and that's it. There's just a light, and they die. And I just thought it was a really interesting story. I 
I've read a few arcs with Majestic in them. Um, the New 52 stuff, he was really a bit player. Majestic was like a really weird component of the, the New 52 universe. Pre-New 52, he was kind of just the big gun. They would just be like, hey, Majestic, some shit's going on. We need you to like punch this dude to death. And he would show up if he wanted to. But this was just like a really deep story that I'm glad was included in this volume. I like I like stuff like this. Like this is a collection of the best stories written by Alan Moore at Wildstorm. And I thought I rather I, I really enjoy stuff like this because you get kind of the best of the best and you get it outside of context. So like I don't know what the issue before this was, I don't know what the storyline before this was. So like for people who had read Majestic up to, you know, issue 49 let's say <laughs> if this is issue 50 you know um if they had read the the miniseries if they had read him in wildcats they have an idea of what he is me i have a very abstract idea because i still i'm a completionist so the only the only wildcats i've read are like like condensed storylines because i'm a completionist i started reading the original wildcats like from the 90s got to a point where it crossed over with Stormwatch and I'm like, alright, cool, now I need to go read Stormwatch to get to that point because I just need to know everything that's going on. That's just how I am. So I've never actually read the original Wildstorm Wildcat series. Uh, most, the, most of the original Wildstorm universe in, gen in general, I have not read. So it's cool to have this kind of... I mean, like, think about it. If you only knew, like, Superman's invulnerable and doesn't age like very easily... And that's really much all you knew. It, you can get some really cool stories out of it without having the preconceptions of like what he's like. No, no, no. We're gonna come back to that. I want to talk about the Deathblow story first. <laughs> so we're gonna move on to the next topic. We're gonna talk about the Deathblow Bibles. This is actually a mini series. I actually had never heard of this until I read uh, until I read this volume. Uh, Gornox, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, we're talking comics. Uh, right now we're going into Deathblow Biblos, written by Alan Moore back in... Oh boy, this is... Wait, wait, wait. This is actually, I think, after it was bought. After they bought out uh, Wildstorm. Let's see. Deathblow Biblos, 1999. So this was the year after. You can tell because the Wildstorm logo on the actual comic is different. They changed the logo uh, and they changed the way they were presenting the books I oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, uh, thanks for stopping by. Uh, definitely enjoy your stream and uh, enjoy your broadcast. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely see you around. Give you, a, give you a. Do I have a way to do that? Yeah, boom. I'll give you a follow from here. And uh, yeah, so this Deathlow, for those who don't know, is kind of like the the Rambo of the Wildstorm universe. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Um. Deathlow is kind of like the Rambo of the, the Wildstorm universe. He has a very deep military history. He is incredibly like he's got history. Like uh, he's got a kind of like experimentation. Like he's been experimented on as a as a test subject for the government, and he has powers. But again, I haven't read enough of it to know what they are. But I've read his, I've read a crossover here and there, I've read him featured in other storylines, and he's always just been portrayed, to me, really, as, like, Rambo. He's the badass. He is the military dude who's gonna kick some ass one 
asses need kicking. And that's why I thought this was a, another really good pick for this kind of best of Alan Moore, because in this, the male Deathblow is actually a bad guy for a moment. The story opens as we follow a Matrix-like scene. And this did come out in 99, so I don't know if this came out before or after The Matrix. So that'd be an interesting thing to check because, well, this looks very Matrix-like. <laughs> like, in a lot of ways, this looks very Matrix-like. Um, so this woman's born out of this Matrix-like cocoon. She even falls out of, I really feel like this may be inspired Matrix or vice versa. Um, she falls out of this cocoon and frees herself to then fight this cougar jaguar thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but she aces it. No problem. <laughs> wears it, literally skins it and wears it as a, a suit, eats it. She's a survival, a survivor. She finds her, her presumably dog tags and it says Cray Genevieve. Now, again, this is one of those things where if you're in the universe and you know Michael Cray and you know that that's the guy, you're thinking clones, you're thinking, you know, who knows? Uh, Pepco, I think, is their kind of like back, like their evil corporation within the Wildstorm universe. Um, but this, this looks like it's set kind of post-apocalyptic, really further down the, the, the line, except we'll get to it <laughs> it looks like it it sure looks like it's set there um so got a couple different things looks like clearly she's got the the female uh female identifier she comes across another machine where it's got dual male identifiers and <laughs> then we come up with the male cray in this storyline and it's this huge cybernetic dude who she fights, he's got guns, you know, action sequence, she gets away, and she ends up with his giant gun, and finds Joe Cray, John Joe Cray, uh, which I presume is another, you know, smaller clone of him. So, the interesting thing here is, we get these flashbacks, the comic came out September. The movie came out March, April. So it's possible. Thank you. I didn't. I didn't catch that. I apologize. Um, so it's quite possible that they uh, that they stole some stuff from uh, from the movie. Uh, homage. That's the word. It's an homage. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to say stole. Like that sounds so dirty. We get these really interesting flashbacks where clearly it's you know Michael Cray's memories, but like. It looks like he might have just gone to the bathroom and gotten nabbed. <laughs> like, it's very weird. They don't actually go into a lot of it. Like, I don't know. Like, this one's this one's lost, uh, lost a head. So there's some, you know, there's definitely a lot, something going on within the storyline. And then they're just trying to survive. It's kind of all it is. Again, we're, you know, we're in this post-apocalyptic world, it seems, so... They're just trying to get through everything and, and and figure out how to stay alive. But now now we find kind of more normal looking stuff, right? There's like a city. And now there's another character. And then the cyborg makes a comeback. Although I think 
No, no, it is the same cyborg. Yeah, it's quite possible. Uh, she gets a really weird, interesting outfit. Uh, and again, we get some, some flashbackage. Uh, this looks like it might be a flashback, because looking at all the characters, uh, that looks like it might have been... What's it called? Thinking... Not Wildstorm Rising. Um, Sword of Damocles. The Sword of Damocles storyline in Wildstorm, because I think that's actually Damocles. That dude. And you see Grifter, you see Gen 13 characters. Uh, I always forget that dude with the blonde hair. I always forget his name, but there's Wetworks. Like, it was clearly a, a line-wide crossover. And again, flashback, mid-battle, while dreaming. Another creature comes up. But it it's talking. And... Turns out, there's two of this one. Turns out they're bad guys too. Can't trust nobody. So we go through, we find the the dead one. Find the head that got missing. And then we find Judgment Cray. Again, very much we're looking at clones. That's that's what it's feeling like. Cynthia, some sort of telepath. Turns out her talents were impaired. She became too frightened. He's... You, sir. You win the note prize of the day. That was beautiful. He's so cray. That's... God damn it, that was beautiful. That was... That's the punniest shit I heard all day. <laughs> I don't know, the sort of... Everything about it is like the way it's drawn is very interesting because it feels like um, it's that company. 2080. 2080. Which actually I have. 2080 is like Judge Dredd. And it just feels like it would belong. Like it feels. Like it feels like it's from the same universe. And I think that's where that's where it really comes in. That, that's where it like really connects because it's this really weird landscape crazy shit's going on and at the end of the day she survives finds an, a literal hatch to go down and it turns out she's in a biological plant <laughs> it's a teammate this time let's get it right uh, clearly not the first attempt lots, lots going on and uh, in which what does it say? In which all the members of Team Seven members unwittingly donated tissue. This enabled the operation to bioengineer several variant clones. So it was clones, but it definitely wasn't a dystopian post-apocalyptic thing. It's just modern day, and she got out, and they're like, "Oh shit!" They try to kill her, and she's like, mm, "Nah." Not gonna happen. Even the other guy shows up. He, he, judgment, judgment, Cray. <laughs> he comes out, uh, but he gets dead real hard. And then she just leaves. Just leaves, says, nah, I'm out of here. And that's it. <laughs> Subject's name. Age three days, whereabouts unknown, mental state not known. 
experiment terminated. That's it. So, this reads a lot like several several Alan Moore stories that have done <laughs> Romeo to fly over state somewhere. That's what I'm saying. This reads a lot like Killing Joke to me. It's 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 compact. It reads well by itself, but it it it's it's close enough to the actual the canon the the story arc that the rest of the books are going through that it can fit in. So this is one of those things that had had things gone kind of the normal way and the Wildstorm universe had remained separate, anyone could have picked this up later on and be like, oh, this actually was in continuity, just like they did with with Killing Joke. Killing Joke originally was not meant to be uh, part of canon. It was just meant to be the story that Alan Moore writes in a self-contained mini-series kind of thing or graphic novel thing. And that was it. There was no plan for it to be part of the universe. It was just meant to be a story. And then later on, somebody was like, well, you know, Barbara Gordon's getting boring. Why don't we say that did happen in actuality? And now she's Oracle. And now now she's got she, she spawns a whole line of books, basically, because she's now physically impaired and has to rely on other talents to, to be relevant because Batgirl up until the point of killing joke Batgirl had kind of been nothing like in the 80s the Bat books had gotten so stale that they did all sorts of weird stuff that's why I mean, all the DC books got real stale that's why they did Crisis on Infinite Earths because it was like let's do something huge because everything's getting boring and then we get to relaunch so then post relaunch they're like well, you know, what had happened was Killing Joke really happened. <laughs> and that's, uh, th that's, that's where we get a lot, a lot of what, a lot of what DC is today is because of that storyline. Kind of, I mean, especially in the Batman books, specifically in the Batman books. So it's, I think it could have gone a certain way, but then there was new 52 and nothing was ever the same again. <laughs> now. Now we're going to talk about. Take a sip of my coffee here. Now we're going to talk about Spawn Wildcats. For the uninitiated, Spawn, uh, by the way, movie coming soon to a theater near you starring Jamie Foxx. Which I said, by the way, tangent here. <laughs> I said, if Jamie Foxx can actually live up to the promise that the new Spawn and the new Spawn movie is not going to talk much, if Jamie Foxx can keep his mouth shut for two hours, you just hand him the Oscar. No voting, no nothing. Like, if it doesn't matter how bad the movie is, like, if the movie's terrible, if Jamie Foxx keeps his mouth shut for two hours in a, in a, in a film, hand him the Oscar. That's it. It's just against his nature, and I think, to have this brooding, like, silent, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for him. I'm just not, I feel like they're going to make it more comedy, and I think they're going to screw it up. Because Jamie fucking Fox, I've seen him play two dramatic roles ever. I'm not saying he can't do it, I know he's capable, he did Ray, Ray is super dramatic, I just don't, like, I feel like 
everyone's looking at Marvel, and Marvel's like, comedy plus action, dollars. So that's what they're doing. And I just... Because even... I mean, what, what do we have in, as far as R-rated that... Logan. Logan is the only R-rated superhero film in the modern century that has made money and remained a dark, not really funny thing. Although they still did have some comedy, but like, it's fine to throw in a little comedy. I don't know. I think it could, I think it absolutely could work as a hard R. Because I mean, like, he's got to eviscerate dudes. We got to have shots of hell, like actual hell. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see where they go. It's just Jamie Foxx was a really weird choice. <laughs> really weird choice. I would have gone with somebody lower profile. Although, I don't know. And it's like the toss-up. You pick an unknown that hasn't proven themselves, or you pick somebody who's really kind of typecast. So. Spawn Wildcats was the brainchild of Alan Moore and Jim Lee. And... The idea was that you take... Now, to backtrack a second. When Image was formed, all the characters were loosely affiliated. So all of the the Jim Lee Wildstorm stuff, the the uh, Savage Dragon stuff by Eric Larkson, the, all the extreme books by Liefeld, all of that stuff, Spawn, all that stuff was loosely affiliated and happening in the same universe. <laughs> they don't really go back about that. They don't really talk about it a lot. You know, like Witchblade happened in the same universe. So it's loosely affiliated. But they're like very different. They're very different concepts. So like when it was Wildstorm Rising, Spawn didn't show up. You know what I'm saying? Like Youngblood didn't show up. They're not that universe. They're not that concept. It's different. Like, the superheroes in the Extreme Universe, all the young bloods, the, the bloodshot, all that stuff that Liefeld made, well, besides being trash, they are, they are like a certain kind of hero, whereas the Wildcats, the, the Wetworks, all that stuff, that's like, I don't know, I, I feel like both were kind of taking ideas from the Marvel and DC Universes, it's just, it's just that Liefeld stuff was just blatant copies like you grab any issue any issue ever published of bloodshot young blood uh that was the other book he did damn i don't even remember yep bloodshot or or young blood find me a character that isn't based on a marvel character i just think it's very difficult I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's very difficult. There are characters who basically look like, oh, uh, this is Puck and Wolverine in one. Next. <laughs> like, that's all he's did. That's all he did. Whereas Jim Lee took a little more creativity. He spun it a little bit. To be fair, most of the Wildcats were created when he was like seventh grade or some shit. Like he's got the sketches to prove it. Um, Maul, I think originally, the reason Maul has like spikes on his back is because a seven a seventh grader created him. Like there's a sketch of it. Looks look almost exactly the same as he does or as he did in the nineties. And he's like, yeah, I just thought it was cool. <laughs> like that's why I like reading the old wizards, because you get a lot of cool interviews from back in the day that now like nobody wants to do. 
now it's just all like we do online only with like super straightforward interviews anyway so that's that's kind of the setup so these are like essentially really widely different universes being brought together kind of by force i love the setup again very alan moore very large concept beyond universe like the the powers that be playing with all of existence all of reality the the trickster god says guys i'm gonna make y'all laugh watch this drops this amulet into reality voodoo being a little telepathic she's like yo some shit happened and they're like no no no, we're good everything's cool spawn shows up (laughs) and he find he actually is this where he they fight i forget what he's fighting for them fighting him for about originally See, that's what I'm saying. I recognize this guy. It's that spawn creep from the newspapers isn't he supposed to be a vampire. So it's like they know about each other, but they've never crossed paths, even though, like, up until this point, tons of really huge world-ending shit has happened in both their storylines. And, you know, it was like, oh, he's a myth or whatever. I mean, like, they're covert action teams, so technically no one knows about the Wildcats, you know, in theory. What was he saying? I think it was payback something. Oh, because the future zealot had already come. <laughs> I know this is going to sound stupid, but didn't you used to be black? And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, yo, didn't messed up. Because, <laughs> which I think is weird. People write Spawn in really different ways. Like in this moment, just in this moment. He's like a 15-year-old. Starts a fight, and then he's like, oh shit, I screwed up. <laughs> Al Simmons was like a seasoned covert operative. Like, I get that he got a little twisted when he went to hell and shit, but it just didn't, like, it doesn't make sense when people write him like this. It, it gets better throughout the storyline, but I just thought this, this, I always thought this moment was super, super weird. Like, him being, like, weird and confused, like, oh, I'm fucked up. I just thought it was, like, a weird weird moment now i will say scott clark's art i I love it one of my favorite pieces that i have ever drawn was based off a scott clark piece i just really like his stuff it's it's like jim lee like with sharper angles (laughs) that's kind of the only way i can describe it it's very similar to jim lee style in a lot of ways but then he um he just he, he gets a lot more angular and a lot more sharp. So I don't know. I really dig his art. He did. Uh, he did. What was that book? Alpha Flight. When Alpha Flight launched in ninety six, ninety six, ninety seven, uh, the ad for that was in like every Marvel book, and that's like when I really started reading heavy. So that's the era that I remember. So I mean, there was literally an ad for Alpha Flight in every single issue of Marvel comic books that that like year and i saw his piece of alpha flight which is fantastic so i always loved it and then it's like cool we're gonna go and then by the way here is this the (laughs) here is the zealot and old grifter who attacked him like remember earlier when i said that stuff this is this is this is the guys and we're not gonna tell you who zealot is clearly plot point that's going to be important later on 
But it's like, hey, we're from the future where Spawn, you know, got this amulet and is kind of a evil overlord of, of mankind kind of thing. And he's like, we're crazy. Why would I do that? That's insane. I would never do such thing. <laughs> and of course, they go to the future, even though like, that's, not, that's not how time travel works. But they go to the future, and he's like, man, I didn't, uh, I didn't believe you until we got to the future. <laughs> you like proved it to me. And uh, he still kind of doesn't believe. And they're like, oh shit, it's, it's the boss. Um, sorry, boss. <laughs> Uh, those were violators, by the way. Violators just killing, just like fucking around, and they're like, "You can't do that. I'm a cop." Like, I don't know. Sometimes Alan Moore's writing, dialogue writing specifically, is like super deep. But I don't know. I don't know what happened to this issue. This is an older issue, though. This is you know, the mid '90s. But granted, the other stuff was also mid '90s. So like, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's not always aces, but. I like the story. Essentially, they go to the future. They identify, you know, kind of prove it to them. Like, hey, this is what happened. Here are all the people that died. And this, I always think, is a very interesting, like, here is the perspective on your current life by seeing, like, this terrible future. They did it in um, in the Teen Titans, like, flash forward when they saw the, like, future evil Titans. I don't know. I just, like, they always, every time somebody writes a story where, like, you travel to the future and, like, you see all the bad shit you did or the, the bad shit that's going to happen. So now you have to, like, really... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to really, like, take stock of your life and, like, have to figure out what's important. It's just an overused plot device. So it's like, there's just a feel a lot of wasted scenes in this because this isn't, you know, it's not the first time. It's like, it's, it's almost like Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past, the original storyline, they show you all this bad shit that happens first. And then they're like, hey... Now let's send Rachel to the past, have her fix all this. So now, story-wise, you are, as a reader, invested because you know Wolverine dies. You know Scott Summers is dead. The Fantastic Four are dead. You know all these things. So it's like, when she goes back, you're like, please work. Same thing they did in the movie. They did the same thing in the movie. A bunch of people died just to get Wolverine to come back to the past. And it's not like they weren't already trying to send someone to the past, right? So, like, it was already going to happen. It was already in the process of being done. But it was, like, for the viewer and for the reader to be like, yo, you, like, like we could tell you that a bunch of people died. But, no, no, you got to see Storm get disintegrated for you to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, that's, that's, it's a very, like, it's super, super overused. And lots of action movies... Uh, that's why I actually really like Time Cop, because in Time Cop, they didn't really show you anything. It was like, he went back with a mission, and then you kind of piece it together. The same thing with, um, what's another, what's the other time travel movie? Butterfly Effect. Butterfly Effect is a very, very good example of how you can do, like, cause and effect stuff in a storyline where you don't have to be like, here's all the bad shit that happens from your bad decisions. It's like, he fucked up, would go back, and then try to fix it, and then would realize he fucked up even worse. <laughs> Not like, um, like cause the whole lesson of that was, like, own what's good, own what's now, figure out your shit without trying these extreme measures. But, 
we did it in such a way where it wasn't like, here is the future if you fuck up, and now you go back and get your shit together. It was like, he kept fucking up. That's why I really like it. It's one of my favorite movies. I've never seen the second one, though. I hear it's not as good. <laughs> so now, they've identified that it's totally Spawn. <laughs> and Spawn's like, I would never do such thing. And Priscilla said you were dead. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's Voodoo, or it's Void. Void was future Void is a concubine. You know all this stuff. And she's like, "Hey, I'm Void. I will kill your ass." That's the cool thing. Once in a while, they take these characters who are super diminutive and demure in the background. Like Void is kind of like. Yo, I'm gonna teleport your ass wherever you need to go. But we're gonna, like, I'm gonna say some wise shit to, to Marlo, and, you know, I'm just gonna keep my peace. And sometimes somebody pisses her off and she tosses him off a building. <laughs> she just says, There, it is done. And I was like, Yo, I love this. That's, that's supposed to be Caitlin Fairchild. <laughs> like, I don't understand why Gen 13, like, why Caitlin Fairchild get fat? Ah, man. It's just, it's really, really weird, interesting stuff. Uh, Zealot apparently has magic in the future, like, old Zealot. Just weird, weird little stuff. Essentially, they're trying to go in. They're, they're like, we're going to find, we're going to get this guy, right? We're going to get him. And they're like, mm, no, I'm, I'm the fucking overlord. And he's like, no, I, I, I remember all this. I know you guys are going to come here. I can stop you. No problem. And they go back. She takes him back in the past. And like, only way to fix this is in the past. Which is like, really worthless at that point. <laughs> and they come back and they're like, no. Like, we got nothing. We, we, we got to like, stop it from the past. Because they were going to try to kill him in the future. Because then that, that shit never works. That shit never works. You can't kill... The, sh the fucking superpower once he's already the superpower. You gotta go back and like, I don't know. <laughs> Plot device wise, is not the greatest. But anyway, it, it, it got us some interesting conversations. And then, he fell back in time and ended up with the medallion and they're like, fucking die. Ah, I'm the fucking, the overlord. I'm gonna fucking knock this shit out. <laughs> I love this though. <laughs> he says, and then, as I recall, I said, oh, I don't think so. And I just slugged the little bitch. <laughs> you know, do you see? I know. I already did all this shit. So, and what I think is funny, though, like, if you did all, like, you should remember the whole thing. And then it turns out, oh, it's Cyan. It's the daughter he never got to raise. And he's like, oh, shit, no, please take this. I'm a fucking asshole. And then she disappears and he fixes everything because he realizes that he uh, could have totally been a piece of shit and caused his daughter to die. Causes former lover to die. And I love, I love, again, we go back out to the, the Alan Moore, the, the greater than everything. And it just says... Outside of the universe, there is a ghost of faint applause. That's it. It's just like, well done. Well done. <laughs> it was just like a dip, fuck shit up. Nope. And essentially, it never happened. So again, another self-contained, 
we should never look at this again storyline, you know, for as far as continuity. But, like, it happened, but it didn't happen because he's Alan Moore. So, like I said, there are a couple other books, a couple other stories in that book, but these are my favorites. I've read the, the Small Wildcats probably three or four times over the years. It's fantastic. All right. Now, I have to switch to Kindle. I, I couldn't find a normal digital copy of this. No, as I have to, I have to scroll. Kindle desktop app. It doesn't even look as nice on the screen. I don't, I don't like it. We're gonna talk about Alibaba and the Forty Thieves. Now, Alibaba and the Forty Thieves. From what I understand of the story, I don't know that there was. Hold on, we're gonna pull this up. <laughs> we're gonna pull this up. Alibaba and the Forty Thieves. I've never actually seen or read another version. Uh, one of the, I know it's one of the one of the one thousand and one night storylines. Uh, I said body. Just trying to read real quick the the like over overview. No, it's it's similar. It's similar. Okay. Not too not not too wildly different. But anyway, so it's set modern day. Uh modern day uh Mumbai. Pretty sure it's Yes, Mumbai. Uh Alibaba is a a taxi driver. This dude long face and that's the thing the art style is very interesting right uh, I actually did some research the the company that made this uh, what is their name I just had it up on the screen but uh, campfire campfire uh, it's campfire.co.in they do a lot of uh, independent books I mean like just looking at the back here they've got uh, the time machine so they got like a, a lot of classics uh, the, the time machine Oliver Twist Huckleberry Finn kind of stuff, uh, but then they also have uh, originals, uh, a book called Kim, a uh, story called Photo Booth, but they have very different art styles for each one, like some of them uh, are more like kid stuff, some of them are, I don't know, there's just, there's a lot to it, there's a lot of really cool, interesting takes on stuff, um, so yeah, I don't know, I was really interested, I actually probably going to pick up a few more of these books. But, he's a rickshaw driver, he, or not, not rickshaw, it's just, it's just a cab. Um, rickshaws are in a completely different country. Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so, one of the 40 thieves uh, runs in, he's like, he calls the boss, he says, Hey, my fucking tire popped, I don't I have a flat tire, I had to take a cab, I'm on my way. <laughs> he's trying to tell the boss the passcode. I just love the, no, it's not loaf and sesame, it's open sesame. And uh, he's like, yo, I'm probably not supposed to be hearing this, whatever. And as the guy leaves, he counts it, he's like, that's way more. And he's like, yo, I gotta give some guy his money back. And then he finds, I just think it's very fun. like, this was a funny, funny moment for me. He counts the number of guys. He says 37, 38, 39, 40. 40 men with guns. <laughs> like, 
Why? Why would you count the number of, like, there's a shit ton of dudes with guns. Dudes with guns, danger, I'm gonna go. That's me personally. Although in his case, you know, he, he made out alright, but I don't know. He's watching and he's like, oh shit, there's gold. They go, they drop off the gold. He hides so he doesn't get killed. I love the the the, the devil, the devil and angel things. Like, yo, you need to go. Shouldn't, you got a family to think about. Get out of here. And he's like, just look. What's it gonna happen? Just look. You didn't even have to do anything. You just look. <laughs> and then he's like, what was that password? Oh yeah, open sesame. Because he screamed it in the back of my car. <laughs> and there's a mountain of gold. And he says, just one. Imagine the difference just one bar would make to my life. And he takes one freaking bar. Goes home. He's like, hey, I need to, uh, I need to weigh some shit. His, uh, his sister-in-law is, uh, no, his sister, no, no, yeah, his sister-in-law is, uh, nosy, a nosy gossip. I love the, there's a, there's a great moment where she's talking to a young girl that works for them, and she says, she's talking some shit about some woman who, who, she ran away with a truck driver or whatever, and she's like, I think there's a special place in hell that's reserved for gossips, like, Come on. You're not seeing the irony there? Anyway. So she's nosy. She finds out he's really, really keen on getting some scales. She's like, I'm going to put some glue on here so we can figure out what the hell is going on. So he's checking. He's got just under 10 kilos. Mind you, 10 kilos of gold in a single brick. It's a lot of fucking gold. <laughs> he, he weighs it. And then she's like... It looks like gold, but it couldn't really be gold. And her her husband, his brother, is like, "You found gold. He has gold." And then he basically beats him out of it, be beats it out of him. And he's like, "I need to know. I need to know what's going on. I need you to tell me everything. I need his gold." And he's like, "Don't do it. There's a lot of dudes, <laughs> dudes with guns." <laughs> he's like, "Nah, don't you tell me what to do." He goes, tries to fill bags with gold. So he can't carry that shit. He can't run with bags of gold. One one bar is heavy. Bags of gold is a problem. Anyway, he gets shot a bunch of times, runs away, somehow does not get caught. <laughs> they take him back to the house, and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you? And I don't know. You didn't find any, you didn't bring any gold. The wife is pissed. <laughs> How could you not even save one brick? He's dying. He's dying, you careless, heartless bitch. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I know a drunk doctor, because that's probably safe. Brings the drunk doctor to the dead body, because, you know, he was shot a bunch of times, and there was no doctor. And then the drunk doctor leaves, and he's like, I just, I couldn't have, I mean, no one could have saved him. I'm, I'm just drunk, so many bullets. One of the thieves, of course, looking for the guy they just shot up, who ran away, who knew where their shit was. Like, tell me, uh, tell me where his was. Man, maybe I can help out. Like, just, just point out. And he's like, I have an idea. I'm gonna mark the door. Now, this young girl that works with them is like, uh, I'm pretty sure this dude just marked the door so that they come back and fuck us up. So we're gonna go and mark all the doors. <laughs> so he brings back the boss, and he's like, Yeah, tell me how we're gonna distinguish which fucking house it is, asshole. <laughs> So, he's like, mm, you know what? Played a long game. 
So he becomes uh, Vijay Sharma. Vijay Sharma. Uh, And it's Vladimir. Vladimir becomes Vijay Sharma. And he goes around town and he kind of... In... in, uh, What's the word? He... There's a word. Whatever. He puts himself into the community. Finds out who's newly wealthy. Turns out Alibaba's like, yo, I'm going to invest. Get a little bit bigger house. Get a few more cabs. I'll make me some dollars. Or um, Mumbai. That's India. Thus rupees. Those were all questions because I have no idea if that was correct. <laughs> anyway, he shows up. They're like, Alibaba's like, oh, this guy's my friend. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, getting the, he gets the 40 dudes. Is it India? Mumbai. Mumbai. I feel like, I feel like it's India. I have to look it up. Mumbai is in Bombay. India. Yes. Yes. It's like, I know VJ is a, is an Indian name. So he, his cover name is VJ. So I, I don't know. But anyway. So he's like, all right, I'm in. I'm in like Flynn. This guy thinks I'm his best friend. Now, I'm going to take, <laughs> we're going to put my 40 dudes. Yeah, Vlad, Vladimir is definitely not. No, they they were definitely foreign. Uh, and, like, there's a point where he's like, ah, you're like all right, VJ, like, I swear, like, when I first met you, like, I think it was a couple pages earlier, he's like, I swear, uh, I would have I sworn that you, uh, yeah, right here, says, <laughs> You're really quite something, VJ, and with those strange looks, I could have sworn you were from abroad. So, like, he calls to it, just doesn't, like, he's kind of oblivious. Alibaba in this story is kind of like a airhead. So, Vlad's like, yo, we're gonna, we're gonna jump this dude. We're gonna ro- straight rob the whole house. Put 40 dudes in barrels, because that's, I don't know, that's how you sneak into something, sneak into a place. <laughs> and, uh, the girl that works for them again, you know, she's doing her job and she's like, um, these dudes are talking. I'm going to steal this truck, <laughs> which I think is funny. I'm going to steal this truck and drive it all the way to the police station. And she's like, yo, um, there's a, there's a gang full of dudes in this truck. You should probably arrest them. They jump the house and he's gone. But she sees him as he's leaving out the back. So she remembers the eyes, the beady eyes, the evil beady eyes. <laughs> And uh, and then then there is I think does he call himself anyway so we'll get back to it. Um, Alibaba gets a bigger office, Megan Mo dollars, rupees, whatever. Uh, yeah, Vladimir does he introduce? Yeah, he yeah. see he does introduce himself as Vladimir. I thought that was weird. He gives he gives his son the same name, and how could like. The, the whole story falls apart right here. He says, hi, I am Vladimir, Omar's uncle from the Middle East. I, that doesn't, that falls apart for me. Because if you're from the Middle East, you're not, you're definitely not Vladimir. <laughs> and then when he meets the wife, she's like, oh, I don't remember my husband talking about anyone from the Middle East. Uh, uh, he did have a friend in London. That must be me. I have a lot of business <laughs> around the world. And I often stay in London. Like, and nobody was like, uh, this dude's story's not adding up. But that's fine. 
<laughs> so he gets in the house. He brings a bunch of presents. But the girl, she sees his beady eyes. And she's like, son of a bitch. That's him. And she's like, now, by this time, she was earlier, she was talking about becoming like a dancer and entertainer. And she's like, I got a real special present for the birthday boy, her future husband at this point. Uh, I think they're courting. I don't think they've they become announced after this she does this dance and throws a knife in the dude's foot and he's like son of a bitch and they're like what are you doing bitch <laughs> and she's like boom now he can't leave although like she just unless she stabbed it like through the foot into the floor so that like he physically couldn't leave I think it's just an injury he could have ran but anyway, she's like, yo, it's the dude. They catch him. And she's like, it can't be that simple. By the way, everyone is a fucking idiot in this story except her. She's like the smartest fucking person in this entire storyline. She's like, no, no, it can't be this simple. This guy didn't just come here to like talk shit. And then someone's like, what's that? Oh my God, it's it's a detonator for a bomb. And uh, the kid's like, the kid's got him choked. He's like, where's the bomb? And he's like, mm, nah. Right, anyone with a shred of common sense would be the smartest story. Exactly. The smartest person in the story just has common sense on her side. She's like, this dude didn't just come here to talk shit. And someone's like, bomb. She's like, oh wait, he brought a bunch of presents. Let's check the presents. They find the bomb. Plot device dude. I'm just going to call him that because that's what the fuck he is. She's like, oh, I, I wonder if I can figure out a way to disarm. And he's like, mm, you know, when I was in the army, a friend of mine was in the bomb squad. So mind you, he wasn't even in the bomb squad. <laughs> and he's like, hold on, which wire was it that he cut? And just arbitrarily cuts the red wire, apparently, to fucking save the day. And I'm like, is this plot device guy out of nowhere happened to have been friends with a bomb squad guy? watched him defuse a bomb once <laughs> like i was like what the fuck is this fucking ending they announced the kids to be married and that's it and it's like uh homer and margina got soon got married and everything was perfect for the time being <laughs> i just thought but like hardcore plot device dude like this dude was not in any other I don't even know if he's in this entire sequence where they're at this party. No, he in fact is not. <laughs> he's literally just a lot. Like, they got to the end. They're like, we got a couple pages. Fuck, how do we defuse the bomb? <laughs> like, you know, uh, we just have this dude walk in. Happens to have fucking military training history. And that's not how fucking life works. You don't just have a bomb disposal expert at your... just, just disposal <laughs> yeah very that that last piece was just fucking hilarious but i just thought it was funny as shit like you said devious anyone with a shred of common sense would be just aces like nobody questions this dude who just appeared out of nowhere has a name that doesn't even sounds like it comes remotely from the middle east and then all of a sudden when like middle east isn't good enough uh, london london's fine yeah i'm from london and no one's like that was a weird fucking thing to say. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Very, I dig it. I've read this, I've read this book a few times. I've had it for, man, I forget when, when I bought this. What I think is interesting is I couldn't, I just literally could not find this anywhere. And I don't understand why. But what I do think is cool, 
at the front of the book. Home, really, home doesn't do it. Do I have to physically? I do. That's really good. So, at the front of the, at the, front of the book, uh, it says, Mission Statement to Entertain. I don't know why I'm reading it out of the book and not off the screen. <laughs> to entertain and educate young minds by creating unique illustrated books to recount stories of human values and to arouse curiosity in the world around us and to inspire by tales of great deeds of unforgettable people. And it's got a This Book Belongs To, which I think is really cool. Um, I don't know. It's not like any special material. It's a pretty much a standard print book. But, I don't know. It Because of it being kind of a one-off, I think it's like 60, 70 pages, it's like this one-off thing and that's it. Does it actually have the promo page? Let's see. Up one... Campfire graphic novel. Yeah, it does have it has the whole book, front to back. So yeah, there's got all these different kinds of books that they do. Frankenstein, for a book called Kidnap, Wizard of Oz, like just different. And I like that kind of shit. I like where it's a different take or a different approach. Uh, there's a we're gonna get to them eventually once I get to the C's. We're still in A. For now, we got a while to go. I've got like 14 Avengers books. We're gonna do like an Avengers day in a couple weeks, so that's something to look forward to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're definitely uh, we're get, we're getting through it. I have a lot of fucking books. I have I have one of those uh, 100 cube organizers from IKEA. That's actually what the background in, in the broadcast is. Is just a one of the shots, so you can see like just in that how many books there are. So if I close this. That's that's just some of the books. I think that's is that A's up top. Yeah, I mean, it might be. I think it's the A's up top. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. A lot of books, but some stuff like this. This whole shelf here. I wonder if I can. Is there a way to? Anyway, where the Falcon is on the shelf. That shelf. A lot of it is. Um, what is that series called? Fables, Fables, uh, Credible series, uh, but yeah, a lot of that is—it's just like volumes of that. So we'll, we'll talk about that in like whole. And what I'm trying to do is bring in people who worked on the books or know the books deeply. Uh, when I get into the Avengers Essential books, um, which is like the original, original Avengers stuff, uh, I've got a buddy of mine who's already agreed to come on. He's a huge, like he's a wealth of comic book knowledge. Like I think this guy might know more than Wikipedia. <laughs> He's in, just incredibly ingrained in the universes. Knows a lot, a lot, a lot of details. So, I think that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a fun episode. But yeah, we'll we'll get to all that. But yeah, when uh when we get to the classics series, it's all these short kind of like one issues. So you know, Gulliver's Travels in forty pages or whatever. So it's very cool graphical tellings. Usually they're complete. You know. If you notch down a 400-page book, take out all the descriptions because you're visualizing it, you can notch it down. You know, that's why you get a two-hour movie out of a 600-page book. That's that's just how it works because you can see all the things. Also, some of the, some of, like Lord of the Rings was long because because it came out at a time where you got paid per, per word. So flowery language was preferred. So that's going to be it today. There was actually supposed to be one more book, but I didn't get to finish it. Uh, so we'll, we're going to bring that up next week. Uh, I just I, I like to have a fresh recounting of the, the story that I've read. Um, just so then I can have a more 
more appreciated conversation about everything in it and all the things about it. Um, it's actually a story about Aladdin, which is ironic because uh, the, the character, the wizard character, whatever the, that he's fighting against, his name is Kasim, who is the brother in this one who gets shot to death. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if, because they're both from the 1001 Nights, so I don't know if they're supposed to be related originally, but I just thought it was interesting as I started reading it again. So, like, I know, obviously, I know the story of Aladdin, but, like, I flipped through the book, and I'm just like, fuck, I feel like I've never read this. Like, I know I've read it, but I just don't remember any of it. <laughs> like, I read too much shit. I've also recently finished the New 52, so that's going to be, and I mean all of it. I, I've finished all of it. <laughs> I've read every fucking, except with a few exceptions that were either incredibly hard to read, like, um, what did I skip? I skipped um, Bizarro. Couldn't read it from the DCU from like the back the last year, where it was like whatever continuity. I couldn't read it. I just couldn't bring myself to read it. And I just too. It was so. It was like kid focused. It was just terrible. It was terrible. And uh, I couldn't read. Uh, I couldn't read Harley Quinn. So I didn't read either volume of Harley Quinn because it's boring. It's just boring without a cast without like an actual cast of people that we know and can understand for her to play off of it's just really hard to read harley quinn just being like zany like it just turns to be just a comedy book where it's like the violence it's like any violence and, and action is just comedy like even that's comedy kind of like uh if you watch like Saturday Night Live and like a fight breaks out, you know, within a sketch, like it's part of the comedy. So, you know, there's no like actual weight to it. But yeah, that's it for this one. Devious, thank you so much for hanging out. I, I truly appreciate it. Um, I've been here the entire time and I, I'm, I'm just super grateful for that. Um, those listening in the future, watching in the future, make sure you join us on this live broadcast every Wednesday. I'm going to try to make come back to making sure that it's every Wednesday. Uh, I think we've only missed like two weeks, and that's due to various reasons. I'm not, I'm not going to try to make excuses. It's 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 happened. We're going to try to move past it. Try to get back to a solid weekly schedule for the panels on pages. I've also got two new shows that I'm workshopping so that is going to be very much other people and not just me talking at a camera <laughs> so uh those should be also fun uh one is going to be where we explore alternate endings to storylines and comics i think that's gonna be super super cool because i think in a lot of situations there are storylines and and plots that kind of like drag on through years that have just fit that fizzle out and then have these like bullshit endings because somebody's like let's finish this storyline and like they weren't part of the original thing so we'll get to that uh, i feel like i'm gonna call it like it could have been a contender like the rocky reference um because i feel like some of these storylines like could have been really really good but then just don't get payoff and then the other one which i think is gonna be super fun i think we're gonna make that maybe like a live group video thing or audio th i don't know it's gonna be fun because we're gonna talk about the bad decisions in movie universes. First on the t on the table is going to be aliens, and why people and aliens in alien movies make bad decisions. <laughs> so look forward to those. We'll be doing that. I I've got a lot of really cool ideas to make 
a lot of really cool content for, for especially for live for broadcasting for conversational so i'm super excited to to breathe more life into that and uh, get more people to join us on this show on the thursday show yep that's that's all i've got to say <laughs> thank you again for watching devious uh devious thank you so much uh everyone watching this in the future thank you for watching make sure you like subscribe if you are on the channel and we will see you in the next one